Hey everyone, I'm Amanda. And I'm Allie. We are so glad you've joined us today. Our podcast is a platform for women to share their stories. We have a different woman share a story on the first of every month. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but in the end, it's always encouraging. Be sure to hit subscribe so you'll be alerted the next time we have a podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, livingoutloud.today. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you will enjoy the show. Now it's time to meet our next guest. Welcome back. It's November, and guess what? What? I turned 30 this month. What? The big 30. I knew that. Yeah. But you know, I always want to keep you at 25 or 26. That's fine. You can keep because me Because when we met, you were 25. That's fine. That's fine. And we've been doing this podcast. I can't believe it. I mean, I kind of already feel like I've celebrated because I went on a girl's trip in September, and we celebrated our 30ths, but... And that was kind of enough. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, move on. I'm 30. Let's go. So, um, no, I'm kidding. But I can't believe it. 30, it sounds just so different than being in your 20s. Yeah. But I'm ready for it. Well, you've had a lot of life go on in the yeah. last few years. So, um, 30, you do not look 30. I don't know what 30 looks well, thank like. You. but um, Well, I'm an old soul. That's what everyone tells me. And I, I would agree. So, I kind of feel like I've been 30 for a while. Yeah. But I will say the physical part of it, maybe it's just in my head, but I feel like things are harder. Yeah. <laughs> Getting harder. So. Hey, just wait. Just wait. Till you Remember when I turned 40 and I was like, yeah. wait. I mean, I still feel great, but it was really weird. I was like, yeah. is this in my mind or not? But are your... Do I need, like, oil for my joints? Right, Like, that's right. weird. No, I know. And my mom's going through that. She just turned 50. And so she's like, okay, everything's falling apart. Sorry, mom, but... Yeah. It's all right. You're going to make it. Yeah. It's really, <laughs> honestly, I, I really don't feel like that anymore, and I'm 46, but um, I've done some things that have helped with all of that. Yeah. But, um, anyway, so, yeah, but things do get a little harder because you're, they not, do. you're not the same. Yeah. But, yeah, you work out, and you eat healthy, and so you're going to... I'm trying to stay with it. You're going to be great. Keep going. Yeah, keep going. Okay, so it is the month of Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? You know what I'm thankful for? I could say a lot of things, but today I'm going to say you. Mm. I'm thankful for Allie because um, I'm always thankful for you. But what made me thankful for you this week is, um, so last week when we got together and recorded, I kind of shared some things with you that were heavy on me. And I know that you were praying for me and I know that you always do. But so like this week, I mean, every day wasn't like heavy, but there was this one day that was really heavy and I was just having a hard time and you did not know that. I had not talked to you since like, you know, three days, four days mm-hmm. before, um, maybe five, I don't know. Um, but you sent me a text of, with scripture and a song with scripture and it was like the moment that I needed it the most. And I just thought, you know what, God is so good because he always gives us what we need. Mm-hmm. He's so faithful and... It just made me even more thankful for you. Well, thank you. And not just like you, but like mm-hmm. you're a sweet friend who I know loves me um, and is considerate and caring and giving, but you're godly. Mm-hmm. And I need that because I need someone who's talking to the Lord about me and for me and who yeah. is in tune with him of like listening to him like you felt led to share that with me in that time. I mean, that was the Lord. So yeah. I'm thankful for your relationship with the Lord and that, as in, you know, in turn as a friend to me. So well, thank you. Thank you. Kind of going off of that, I'm just thankful that we 
that God gives us a chance to partner with him. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to this and you have not listened to our October podcast, um, it's just, it's amazing talking about prayer, specifically for your kids, but just prayer in general, how it's a chance that we get to partner with God to um, just be a part of his plans that he has for each other, for our own lives. I mean, for the world, he doesn't need our help Mm -hmm. and he would accomplish what he wants to accomplish without us. But he says, no, I want to invite you in and I want to partner with you on this. And I'm learning that as I'm reading scripture in my daily devotional and um, learning just more about who Jesus is, that not only is it for me, but he tugs on my heart and says, hey, send this to so-and-so or so-and-so needs this. And I don't know why. And sometimes I'm like, this doesn't even make sense right now. But just sending it and then I mean, it never fails. It comes back stories like yours of, hey, that was right when I needed that. Mm-hmm. And I can't take any credit for that. I mean, that is God and his just, I mean, wonderful way that he likes to work in his details. And I just am so thankful that he's included us and said, hey, I want to partner with you in this. Me too. So if yeah. you don't have a friend like that, pray for you a friend like that. Find you a friend like that. God is so faithful to give you those friends if that's what you're seeking. Our sponsor this month is Lost Dog Coffee. Every day at Lost Dog is special, whether solo with family or friends, inside or out. There's always a little magic at the dog. Not to mention, they have the best espresso in Mississippi. Organic teas, baked goods, deli sandwiches, all in the little quaint town of Taylor in the Plain Air neighborhood right outside of Oxford. Stop in for a coffee break, some study time, or an afternoon catch up with a friend. There's always a smiling face to greet you. Our guest this month is Jill Dasher. She is the author of the brand new book, Shallow, Drowning in the Shallow End of People's Approval. She is a blogger and Christian speaker who's passionate about sharing the freedom that exists when you refuse to live in hiding and freely submit to all your fears, flaws, and failures. To the God who made you, she resides in the mountains of North Carolina with her husband and five children. Welcome, Jill. We are so excited to have you on our show today. Thank you, girls, so much. I am honored to be here. Seriously, thank you. Well, we have something in common. Um, you lived in West Monroe, Louisiana for a long time, and that is my hometown where yes. I was born and raised. And so I kept seeing you on social media because we have a lot of mutual friends. Yeah. And I kept thinking, she looks so familiar, you know, because everybody knows everyone in West Monroe, Louisiana, if you live there. And um, so I just kept thinking, I know her, but do I really know her? Anyway. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, because surely we we had to have ran in the same circles. I mean, it's West Monroe, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Yeah, I love that. It's such a small world. And now you guys are in Mississippi, right? We are. We're in Oxford, Mississippi, where um, this has been our hometown for 12 years. Um, And we have a a Chick-fil-A here. So we are loving it. But um, it's always fun to go back to West Monroe and eat Johnny's Pizza. Of course. But I saw that you had a book called Shallow. And so I've been keeping up with you and just following you and just so many things. I'm just so excited to ask you about today. So I reached out to you and you have been so kind to come on here. And so we're so excited. We're just going to let you start and tell us about yourself. Oh, that's so fun. Well, I'm so glad you reached out. First of all, that was so kind. And honestly, I, you know, 
anytime I get the chance to record a podcast or talk about, you know, just what God is doing in my life, uh, I, I want to take that opportunity to its fullest because um, sometimes I feel like, you know, in the mundane everyday of life, like I'm a mom, I have five kids. Um, I don't know y'all's story, but I think we can get so much in the day to day that we don't see how God is actually working in our lives until we stop and we think, oh my goodness, he really is working in our life. And so um, just getting to be here and talk about it is encouraging to me because it's a reminder, hey, Jill, God is faithful and he is working in your life and will continue. And so I never want to take those opportunities for granted. Um, you know, to, to share a little bit about my life and my story, it's it's really kind of boring in the sense that I'm, I'm not really that special. I'm not like some like extraordinary person. You know, I'm, I'm a mom and I'm a wife and mom. And, you know, it's funny when I was growing up, that was like, that was all I wanted to be. It was like, I want to be a wife and I want to be a mom and I want to have a lot of kids. And I would play church at my house and like line all my baby dolls up on the row. And that was like the funnest thing for me and my cousins to do. And so I really feel like I'm living my dream as a wife and mom. But, you know, talking about the book and, and seeing where I'm at now, you know, and I'm trying to think about, you know, my life as a whole, it's really just, a, it's day-to-day -day moments of like God shaping me and changing me. And I guess how my whole journey started in the sense of why I'm here and talking about this book, why I even wrote a book is that many years ago, I started blogging. Um, kind of back when blogging was this new thing, which I feel kind of old now because it's like blog, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of dated, but I started blogging about my kids and it was really just funny stories because my kids were always doing hilarious things. And so that's kind of how it started. And then over time, I, I began to write about things that were a little more vulnerable, I guess, and kind of opening myself up, which is not something that I would do at all in person, but for some reason I could write about things I was struggling with, even though I could never talk about them out loud. And it just sort of happened that other people had struggles too. I don't know why that shocked me, but so that's kind of how I started. And, and my blogs just became more and more about, you know, just my personal struggles. A lot of my struggles dealt with just the desire to please people and always live for their approval. And you know, I think it just resonated with other moms and other women, because I feel like that's something that we all struggle with. And so um, that kind of led me on my writing journey and, and sort of what led me to write Shallow. Now, if you look at my life right now, if you're the outside looking in, I have five kids. So I have an um, 18 year old daughter who's a senior, 15 year old son, 13 year old son, 10 year old son, and a six month baby girl. <laughs> Whoa. So I, yeah, so I have a senior in high school and a six month baby girl and y'all, she is the apple of our eye right now. Like, like when I think about my story, I just see her sweet little face. Um, she is, um, just the most unexpected expected blessing. I don't even know how to make that sentence make sense, but I will just say that God laid adoption on my heart many, many years ago. And I had a, a vision of what I thought that would look like in my life. And God was like, Nope, I'm going to totally 
wreck your vision. And I'm going to just fulfill this story in your life that you can't even see coming. And basically, long story short, you know, adoption was something that was always on my heart. I'm a young, young child. My parents' best friends were foster parents and I got to see them love on so many kids. And I just remember thinking, I want to do that. I want to do that. Um, But interestingly enough, when I got married, I just assumed that God was going to put me with somebody that wanted those same things, right? Like he's going to give us our perfect match. (laughs) Um, But Zach was not, that was, that wasn't on his heart at that time. And I even remember him saying something like, look, if the Lord places a child on our doorstep, I will definitely adopt that child. Well, just let me tell you, be careful what you say, because that's pretty close to what happened in our situation with our precious little girl that we adopt, wow. adopted. Um, I got a phone call one day and I want to share this because um, there is a girl, there's a woman and her name is Karen. And I like to share her name because I think Karen's have gotten a bad rap over the last several months. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This woman, um, she works an eight to five job at a um, job agency. Okay. Not some like flashy job. She, you know, she's not known by the world. She sits behind a desk. She fervently does her job day in and day out. And she got a call from a young girl that she had known from years ago through her grandson um, that basically said, can you help me find a job so that I can pay for an abortion? And I would just say that this woman could have easily ignored this message. She could have easily just went on about her day because I'll be honest, this young girl didn't exactly treat their family wonderful. And, but she didn't do that. And she actually reached out to me um, because I'm involved in a children's home here in Black Mountain, North Carolina. And she said, Hey, this girl reached out to me. Would you talk to her? And that was, the beginning of a conversation that basically led to this girl saying, I'm going to keep this baby. Will you adopt her? At the time we didn't know it was a girl. And, um, and we said, yes. And so, so I'm 40 years old with a newborn and a senior in high school. And it's amazing. I think I probably just shared way too much. <laughs> no, that is so great. I'm and so glad you did. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about Ruth. Isn't that her name? Yes, Ruth yes. Harvest Dasher is her name. Okay, so I follow you on social media, so I know this all about you, and I'm telling you, this baby is precious, <laughs> beautiful. I just want to hold her. She's oh, adorable, and I just love the story of of God putting that in your heart so long ago and you talking about marrying um, someone that wasn't there, but it's so cool how God will get us to where he wants us to be. Um, It's so crazy. It is so crazy. And you know, what's, what's funny is that I'm kind of one of those people that I just have a natural, like I'm a glass half full, glass half full person. My, My husband would say he's a glass half empty. And so it's funny us being married because, you know, I just, I, I, I kind of tend to look for God doing these crazy things. And my husband tends to be like, yeah, I don't know if that's, that that's maybe that's a coincidence, you know, but in, in this story, man, it was like, God, God lined it up. So in such a way that my husband was like, whoa, like, whoa, this could only be God. 
Yeah, well, and it reminds me of that verse where we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And we, it's just funny because at 40, I mean, I know a lot of people, there are a lot of people who have kids at 40, but that's not usually what you think. Okay, I'm at 40, I'm going to start over and have a baby because you have teenagers, right? Yes, yes. We were kind of through the the hump there, you know, like done with diapers. My youngest was 10, you know, we're, we're applying for colleges. I mean, we're in a whole different season of life. And it's just so funny that that's when God chose to place this little precious gift in our family. And it's so perfect. It could not have been. Oh, and I, I have seen your teenagers hold that baby <laughs> in love oh my with her. And that's the thing is like, really, when you think about it, there's nothing more important that you can do with your life. You may have plans for being an empty nester at some point uh, around 40 to 50 or 50, whatever, but there's nothing more important than raising a child, uh, growing them in the Lord and investing in them and loving them and uh, taking care of what God has told us to take care of the widows. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and Zach and I say this all the time, like, we don't ever want to retire. Like we don't ever want to find ourselves just sitting comfortable. Like I'm like, I pray this all the time. God, help me to be like on fire moving for you until the day I breathe my last breath. Like, please don't let me get comfortable with just being comfortable. And, <laughs> and Ruth was kind of like, okay, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. And I want to thank you so much for sharing all of that. You did not share too much. We wanted to hear all of that. Mm -hmm. And my first question for you is, um, so tell us the, the listeners a little bit about Shallow and why you wrote it and how you hope it impacts those who read it. Sure, of course. So Shallow, um, it's called Shallow, Drowning in the Shallow End of People's Approval. And I would say that Shallow is basically a collection of years of my life. Like, you know, sometimes we read a book and we think, oh, you know, God just did this in her life at this one time. And shallow is like years of God changing me moment by moment and day by day. And he's still changing me. Right. Like there's no, I'm not, a, I'm not a guru. Like I've not arrived at this place of like, oh, you need to, you, you have to read this book because I have all the answers. No, it's actually just, look, I want to share my life, my struggles and I want you to see what God's done in my life so that you might can believe, hey, he can do that in my life too. And, and it's an ongoing process. And it's like years of journaling, basically. Um, I've always been a journaler. And that's that's one thing that God has gifted me with. I, I enjoy writing. It, it's sort of like therapeutic for me. And so really shallow is a bunch of my journals combined into a book that sounds better than I initially wrote them in a journal. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And it also, it's also a journal. So at the end of each chapter in shallow is a section, a journaling section for the reader. It sort of invites them into, you know, their own struggle that may pertain to that chapter. And one of the things I talk about in the book is that, you know, our specific struggles, like I struggle with perfectionism. I struggled with jealousy. I struggled with, you know, all sorts of things that we may not share. You may have different struggles, but 
but the root is the same. Like all of, when you, when you get down to the root of our struggles, it, it's the same. And we're really all looking for acceptance. We're looking for love. We're looking for approval, whether it's from someone else, from God, from the, you know, father that didn't give us, give it to us, you know? And so I sort of hope that it's just this look into my personal life, but invitation for you to kind of take inventory of your life, you know, where you're at. I love the application part. I feel like that's where it really changes you. Mm -hmm. You know, you read something and yes, it's impactful, but then when you actually have to turn it and apply it to your own life, I mean, that's where the growth happens. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, So do you have a favorite chapter? I do have a favorite chapter. So I have a personal favorite chapter and I'll talk about that. But what I have found is that the readers actually have a favorite chapter. And it's funny because it's, it's one of, I wouldn't say my least favorite chapter. It was my most difficult chapter to write. Mm -hmm. So, so the reader's favorite chapter is chapter five and it's called shallow friendships. And this chapter sort of talks about my husband and I going through a period in our life where we lost some really close friends, like lifelong friends and just the painful process of what that was like. And, and sort of kind of, you know, when I was in that place in my life, like the temptation was just to be so fueled with anger. The temptation was to be so focused on, you know, what was done to me and what was wrong with them and all the things that Satan likes to mess with us in our mind when we're dealing with any type of broken relationship. And, you know, during that time period, there, there was a point in which my husband and I, I, I'm so thankful to him for this. I remember him coming in the room and we're going through this really difficult time and we're, we're, we've lost all these friends and, you know, (laughs) and we're wanting to like state our case. Right. And, He's like, Jill, I just, I just think we need to be quiet. I think we need to stop talking. I don't think we need to talk to other people about it. I think we need to look inwardly and we need to be in prayer and we need to be quiet. And it's the best advice I think he's ever led us into in our marriage because it was in those quiet months that those quiet years, what felt like that God really began to change him and I both and allowing me to see the things in myself that I need to change. And so I think the reason this chapter resonates so much with other people is because everybody's gone through some type of relationship issue, right? Like we've all, whether it's our fault or somebody's done something to us, like most of us have experienced that. And Satan loves to work in those and he loves to create division, but it doesn't have to be that way. We can actually allow God to totally work on us in the midst of those dark places. And so it's cool to me that that chapter is as popular as it is because it was very difficult for me to write. Yeah. Well, and I understand just as God lately, just speaking to me about different things um, about being quiet, really just Mm -hmm. letting go and, and, and just praying and letting him take care of everything, you know, because I know what you're talking about is different than maybe what I'm going through, but, or what I was going through in the last couple of months, but, you know, you just feel this, this weight of like trying to hold it all together. 
And yes. like we've got this responsibility, but really it's it's God. He is the one that holds all things together. And we just, you know, let him fight for us and be still and learn in the process of like, what do you want to teach me through this? Yes. And, and I believe he will, you know, I think about that scripture, the Lord will fight for you. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we think that just means, okay, he's taken up arms and he's going to take down our enemies. Yes. Sometimes that is the way he fights for you. But then sometimes the way he fights for you is that he shows you the error of your own heart. Mm. And that's not, that's not the battlefield we like to be on. If we're honest, I don't necessarily okay. want to, to walk into the battlefield where the Lord's like, okay, sweet child, I want you to sit here and I'm going to show you the area of the era of your ways, but it's not to hurt you, baby. It's because I want you to have more life. And so when I think about God going to battle for me, I have to think about it on both sides of the coin. Right. I love that. That is such a great, uh, way to look at it because you're right so many times we look at it just the other on that one-sided way of like he's fighting for us against the other person or against yeah. the situation but just always looking and, and praying like what do I need to learn what do you want to change in me and um and you know I know too uh I know something that God's taught me during those moments of letting him fight for me you know it says to to be still and like I take that too as stay calm because mm -hmm. anxiety rises and you just worry about not being able to control the outcome and control people. And, mm -hmm. and God is like, you know what? Um, stay calm. Um, and I will be your comfort. I will be your, um, everything. I'll be your peace. I'll be yes, your, peace. your peace. Your I'll be your peace. And, and you can't, he does that so that we do cling to him for peace and not other things, not other people. And sometimes we have to go through times like that to only like, sometimes he's when he is all that you have, it's yes. like, okay, you don't yes. even choose, you know? Yep. Um, yeah. And you know, I think he knows too. He says, be still because he knows that we're not going to feel the way we feel in that moment, six months down the road. Mm -hmm. You know, and he knows if we if we react in that moment, that moment where we just feel so betrayed or we feel so wronged mm -hmm. that, that we're just going to invite Satan in. If we can just be still in that moment, you know. Yeah, that's so good. I'm, I, I have learned that. I'm still learning that. And I think that's going to be a forever lesson. <laughs> forever <laughs> learning. I'm still learning that. Man, I wish I had learned that the, like a couple of days ago with my child. Like, yeah, I right. wish I would have remembered just be still right now in this moment, Jill. And you can address this when you're not ready to like rip his head off. God yeah. bless him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, Hey, Jill, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to our last month podcast, but um, that reminded me what you were saying, even with our kids, um, we had Brooke on McLaughlin, McLaughlin. She is the co-founder of million moms pray. Is that, yeah. Isn't that right? Million cool. praying moms. Pray moms. Anyway, she has a book and it's about, Praying Moms, and it is so good. I, I recommend it if you haven't um, listened to it. It's yeah, been good for Allie that. and I, just prayers for your kids. And we talk about, you know, that being the first resort. Uh, is that Absolutely. what Absolutely. Yeah, she says make it more of a, a proactive Yeah, response. like this is her game Prayer plan for yeah, parenthood. Instead of reactive. Yeah, uh, it's I great. love it. But, um, well, 
So I can totally relate to that in some way. And I even have a song called You Fight For Me. So we were laughing when you said that because I, th- I, I always say that is my scripture for life. You fight for yes. me. Yes. Um, I didn't is- even include that scripture in the book. That's so weird. When that came to my mind, like, man, that should have been in the book. I'm like, man, I'm going to use that for a, for a, that's going to be a talk. I'm going to write, I like made a note. <laughs> like, well, that could be the second book. <laughs> there yeah. <we> go. <laughs> well, there's a good bit about your marriage in the book as well. And you spoke yes. about hitting a wall in your marriage. Could you discuss that a little bit and maybe give some advice to any listeners who may feel as though they have hit a wall as well? Sure, sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, I love, I didn't necessarily set out for shallow to be a marriage book, you know, but it, that has been one of the things that has surprised me is that I have received several messages from, from women that have actually be, read sections of this to their husband. And I got a message the other day and I literally started crying, reading it. Um, and I'm glad this is a video because I cried the drop of a hat, but she was basically saying, you know, she read this section of the book to her husband and they ended up having this confession session that, you know, was groundbreaking in their marriage. And, and I was just like bawling, crying as I was reading this. Cause I was like, man, how, like, how cool is it that God could take the jacked upness? I don't even know if that's a word of my own marriage at times and use it to help somebody else's. I was just so like humbled and overwhelmed. And so, um, anyway, there is a point in the book where I talk about us hitting a wall in our marriage and when Zach and I got married, I was 20 years old. He was 23. I was a baby. And we did marriage counseling with one of my favorite mentors. His name was Frank Mills. He was my um, preacher back in the day when we lived in Calhoun, Georgia. And one of the things he told us in, in our marriage counseling, he said, there's going to come a point when you hit a wall. And he said, there's going to come a time when you're like, did I make a mistake? I don't know if, you know, we should be married. And I remember when he said it, we just kind of laughed it off. Cause you know, when you're, you're engaged to be married and everything is great. And you're like, yeah, I'm never going to think that about him. Right. He's going to be my knight in shining armor. Um, but he was right. And I would say we didn't just hit one wall. We hit many walls. And so if you're listening to this and you, you're, you've hit a wall or you've hit many walls, or you're going to hit a wall at some point, maybe you'll remember this. Um, that is okay. <laughs> you can recover from hitting a wall. Um, I would say that the healing began to take place in our marriage when, when we hit that wall, because when we hit that wall, it was this place of, okay, we're either going to throw up our hands and give up, or we're going to have to get to the root of why we keep like banking our heads against this wall. Right. And so for our marriage, you know, I, my struggle was perfectionism. And so I wanted my husband to think I was perfect. Right. I wanted to be the best wife. I wanted to be the best mom. I wanted him to affirm me and all of those things. Um, what I didn't want him to do was to ever tell me my flaws or what's wrong with me or anything like that. And vice versa. He wanted me to think that about him. So it's like you have these two people that are like, okay, husband, you make me feel great about myself. Wife, you make me feel great about myself. But the problem is 
we're two broken people that at the end of the day really aren't that great. <laughs> like yeah, he, no. like he's never going to be able to fulfill me, right? And I'm never going to be able to fulfill him. But if we live these fake lives of trying to pretend like everything's perfect, but never having real discussions, then we're going to be miserable, miserable. And so our marriage began to change when I hit my knees before the Lord and was like, God, you got to change me. Instead of like focusing on him, I was like, God, you got to change me. And that was a starting point. And I talk about the specific day I share the story in my book of kind of when that began, but that was a starting point. And then it was a process and it's still a process, but man, I will say, I don't want to live my life looking as everything is great, but have no depth to my marriage. Mm. And so, um, so I talk a lot about confession. This book is filled with confession, particularly pertaining to marriage and you know, there's a lot of marriages that, that don't, confession is not a part of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, confession should be a part of our marriages because we all are sinners, right? Like we haven't, we haven't figured it out yet, or I don't know anybody that has. Um, but sometimes I think even as Christians, we think, oh yeah, we're Christians. We don't have to do the confession thing. We did that once. No confession should be a lifestyle. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, and what you were talking about with marriage, something you said reminded me of something I read yesterday. I follow Dr. Henry Cloud. Um, do you know who that is? I don't. So he is an amazing um, Christian counselor, psychiatrist. Um, just he shares a lot about just boundaries in marriage and yes. how to have a healthy marriage, um, the Christian way. But what he wrote was, you must become a complete individual on your own in order to have true oneness with your spouse. Each That's good. Isn't that good? He said that each is person good. is responsible for bringing wholeness, bringing maturity to a relationship. There is a difference between completing one another and complementing one another. Mm -hmm. Basic human requirements of character are not complements. They are essentials to being a complete person. And I thought that's that was so good. good. So good. That is yeah. so good. Cause we're, we're, we're so we're looking for them to make us feel a certain way. And it's like, that's, that's never going to work that way, you know, right. um, because even, cause here's the thing at the end of the day, let's just say Zach, my husband is able to give me all the affirmation possible. He tells me I'm wonderful all the time, whatever it is at the end of the day, the truth is this. I know that I am not that wonderful. In the deep parts of me, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have struggles. I know all kinds of things. And so we think by just telling somebody what they want to hear, they're going to be fulfilled. But the opposite is actually true. What we really want and need is to be loved and affirmed, not in the most amazing things about us, but actually in the worst things about us. Yeah. That's where you find safety and true intimacy. True intimacy is not what you experience on the honeymoon. It's great. It's amazing. I'm not knocking it. Okay. But, but true intimacy is a man and woman like 30 years down the road or even better, like on their deathbed, holding each other's hands, like know the worst of the worst about each other, but are like, man, I love you and will always love you. 
That is so good. Such a good word. And I think too, like we have to remember that we are different people. We're not the same. We, one of us may be a better communicator than the other. We have different things that we are better at and we have different things that we are, we need to get better at. Yeah. And so I think too, part of intimacy, I think that God is teaching me is that the things that we know we can totally see that need help in our partner, our spouse. There are, there are things in me that need help. But even though we know that we see that, we give it to the Lord and we trust God in his timing that he is working on that in our spouse and on mm-hmm. us. You know, that's right. That's right. I think part of yes. he is like knowing that about our spouse and being okay and trusting God with that timing and that we don't have to make it make it happen right now. We can't change our spouse and we don't need, there's so many things we don't need to change about our spouse. We need to celebrate our differences, but all, I mean, obviously both people have things spiritually that we need to give to the Lord and that we need to surrender to the Lord till the day we die. We will have things that we need to constantly chip away to look more like him. And we may see it in our spouse, but it's not our job to point it out to them all the time. We are their helpmate. We do share things in truth and love, but sometimes God says, look, I've got this. I'm working on this. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't say anything else about it, Mm -hmm. I am in control of this and I'm working on it. It's not being left alone. You've got to pray and trust me and pray for yourself that God is continuing to show you us where we need to be um, surrendering things and changed and uh, become more like him. So I think that right. I think sometimes we look at int- intimacy is where it has to all be worked out and perfect. And if not, right, right. You know, no, we're that's so good. Um, you know, the question before you'd asked me what my favorite chapter was, and I told you what everybody else's favorite chapter was, but, but it applies to what we're talking about. So my favorite chapter is actually the chapter called a safe place for confession. Can't remember what number it is right now but it's called a safe place for confession. And that entire chapter talks about becoming a spouse that is a safe place for confession. And, and so for many years, I was not that for my husband. My husband could have never confessed lust to me or struggle. Like there, no, if he would have done that, I would have like lost my mind. Right. I would have, because I'm supposed to be enough for you and I'm supposed to be this and I'm supposed to. And so that whole chapter talks about, allowing us to become those safe places for our spouses. And interestingly enough, which kind of goes along with what you quoted from, I forgot the guy's name, but anyway, um, yes, we can't be a safe place for somebody else's confession until we have been in confession with our heavenly father and we have felt his safety in our confession. Like that's what allows us to be safe places for other people. Preach. That is good. Yeah. Well, and I I feel like that verse applies that we talked about is that Exodus 14, 14. Yeah. Um, You know, some versions say, instead of be still, sometimes it says be silent. Mm -hmm. And to what we were talking about just a second ago, I mean, one thing that I've learned with intimacy going into marriage, I thought intimacy was share everything whenever you feel it and 
just lay it all out there mm-hmm. because then they know what you, you know, are thinking. And I learned really quickly that that can be more harmful mm-hmm. than it could be, you know, helpful mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you do have to take it to the Lord first and you have yes. to ask, you know, what, what is his timing on this? And is this something that is even needs to be brought to the conversation at this point? Cause it might be something in you that yeah. through confession that you need to be worked out. And then it might even be solved before you take it to your husband. Exactly. Um, yeah. To not jump into that. And that, that you're still having intimacy within your marriage and with the Lord. Um, and so that's just something that I've learned. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So there is a chapter titled shallow image and you discuss self-confidence versus biblical confidence. Why are we so obsessed with self-confidence? <laughs> so it's funny you asked me that today because yesterday, I don't know if anybody happened to go on my Instagram, but I'm not one of those persons that like does rants or like gets on and talks about that's not my thing. Like I'm, I, you know, I'm typically like anything I post, I'm like looking over it a hundred times. Like, oh, should I say this? Should I not? Um, anyway, this kind of ties in and kind of doesn't, but it came to my mind when you said it. So my husband sends me this article and the whole article is talking about the new fashion trends and the title of the article, I may mess it up a bit, but it's like the new fashion trend is clothes that don't exist. And basically, yeah, yeah. And basically it's this idea of where we can go on and we can purchase really cool outfits that are digital outfits And then they can place them on us for like Instagram pictures for like zoom meetings, like, you understand what I'm saying? Like paper doll clothes on us. Right. Okay. So I, as a mom with two daughters and three sons, I like lose my mind. I'm like, what is happening to our world, to our culture? Like we are so obsessed with this like self. So when I think about self-confidence, like like from a, um, from the world standpoint is we are obsessed with ourselves, mm-hmm. obsessed with what we look like, what we sound like, how many followers we have. And I feel like self-confidence is just this whole idea that if you, if you look the part and you act like you've got it together, then you must be confident. And, you know, we have just all of these life coaches, which I'm not downing life coaches, but I'm saying we've just got life coaches and self-help books and all of these messages coming at us that say, you're awesome. You're great. You do you like girl, just own it, whatever. And I think that's so damaging because at the end of the day, I have a 50 or excuse me, 18 year old daughter and her friends are over all the time. And I can promise you that, that most of those girls don't think they're awesome all the time. Actually, they're struggling with, man, I don't look like her. And man, I don't like, there's a lot that they're dealing with. But they're told that if you just like act like you got it figured out, if you just own it, then that's what self-confidence is. And I think that could not be further from the truth. And so I kind of juxtapose that with biblical confidence. Um, and I don't even really like that I titled it biblical confidence. I was <laughs> I was actually reading that section of my book. I was like, ah, I don't know. I probably should like title that section something different because it sounds kind of like righteousy or something. But what I, what I mean is that a confidence that comes from the Lord is not a confidence that says, look at me, I've got it figured out. It's actually a confidence that says, man, I don't have it figured out. I'm not as awesome as I would like to think I am. Um, even when I 
feel like I'm looking great. I'm really kind of struggling with it, but God, I know that you have it figured out. I know that you know that I'm struggling and I'm going to rest in the fact that I don't have to look like I'm a superstar. Like I'm going to trust that you know me and that I can be confident in that you've got me and that you're working on me and that I'm a continual work in progress and I don't have to fake it until I make it, you know? Mm -hmm. That's so true. As you were talking, I, I was so curious and I looked this up and I saw the article and at the end it says, you might be an accountant with life kids and you're happy being quite mundane in real life, but you want to express yourself in these virtual worlds, which is totally different. And I'm like, that's teaching you to put on a mask. Right. Like, it's exactly what it is. Life. Yes. Yeah. That's and so scary. that's what I ran on. my. I did a rant on my story. I don't even know if it's still up, but <laughs> I was like, I don't want to communicate with the world who I virtually am. I want to communicate who I really am. Like, this, right. this, you know, it's, I, I really, I, I'm tempted to say I feel for our kids, but no, I feel for our, our people, our world, oh goodness, yeah. our humans. Like we are, you know, God created us to commune and interact as human beings, not as, you know, digital images. Well, and like, honestly, it's so camouflaged because when you think about it, it's like, I don't know. I think for some people, you don't immediately go to what's really hidden underneath. It's just right. kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird, but oh, well, you know, and then you think about it, it's like, well, wait, what is this really saying? What is this really teaching? And there are just so many things that, especially for teenagers, that it's like, oh, this is cool. I can dress my, kind of like an emoji, mm -hmm. you know, I can make Well, yeah, it just kind of becomes normal. It seems like, instant, but it, it really has deeper, deeper roots. Like, it totally warps our mind. I think the same thing when I think about filters and I mean, I've, I've used a good filter. Don't get me wrong. Like they're amazing. They make me look a lot prettier than I really am. <laughs> but if you think about it, like if you really think about it, and this is what I did the other day, like, like when that first began, like, wasn't it weird whenever you saw somebody like post and they had one of those filters on, didn't you have like the kind of like, that's a little weird, you know, yeah. but yeah. then over time, and I saw this yeah, in myself. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, well, I mean, everybody's doing it. You know, right. we all kind of know that we're not really that pretty and that our skin's not really like that clear and stuff. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, 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 hey, we do it because we, we like looking at that better. And yes. Like that better. Well, now people have to write hashtag no filter because yeah. it's so common <laughs> yeah. to have a filter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's just there's yeah. a progression and yeah. it's it's. A funny story, my husband and I talked about this yesterday. So we've spent a lot of years doing college ministry um, as a married couple. And years and years ago, there's this story that my husband has told. I can't even tell you how many times he's told it. But basically, he's in a he's, you know, room of college kids, high school kids, whatever. And he's he and he says to them, he says, What if I could provide for you the the most perfect spouse? Like, like she looked the way you wanted her to look, or if it was a you know, a uh, girl, he looked the way you wanted him to look, you know, exact figure, exact color of eyes, exact personality, everything that you would want in a person. What if I had that perfect person for you? And, and, and then he would just kind of pause for a minute and he'd say, but there's one, there's one glitch behind their ear is a mole. And, and if you put your finger on that mole, it actually causes their face to come off and you realize that they're an android would you still be interested in this person? And so going back 20 years, 15 years ago, 
Oh, undepth. No, absolutely not. No way. I would never want to date an Android because they're not real. Right. But what's interesting is as he's told that story over the years, I think it was just a few months ago, he was telling it in a, in a setting and there were a couple of kids who were like, well, I mean, I don't know. I might, that might be good. You know, like you just see the way we are progressing yes. with our minds because of what these screens are putting in our head. It's so true. Oh my goodness. It's crazy. So conditioned of just the world that we have right now that we live in, that we're becoming and so much striving to striving to be something, a better version of ourselves. And, mm -hmm. and God says, you are the better version without all of that, who yes. I created you to be. So, okay, well, the end, you end the book by inviting the reader into the deep, inviting them to the throne room and the king um, of the king and asking him to shed light into our hiding places. What advice would you give someone who wants desperately to come out of hiding but is afraid? I, you know, I would say, well, for, the first thing I would say is that it is a process. And, you know, sometimes when we're dealing with whatever it is we're hiding, whether it's a sin struggle, um, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, our fear is that once the world knows this about us, then we will not be loved, accepted, whatever. And so sometimes we feel like, oh, well, to truly confess, that means I've got to put myself out to the world. And I would say, no, like you don't have to put yourself out to the world, but you do have to put yourself at the throne room of Jesus. And what that looks like is just like literally like for me, and I talk about it in this book, um, it was over jealousy. Like jealousy was a really big struggle of mine. Um, in the early years of our marriage, but something I would have never admitted, right? Because no girl would want to be that girl and no girl would want to admit that to themselves, much less to other people. But I remember literally getting on the floor of my closet and just crying out to God. And I was like, look, like I'm going to ruin my marriage because of this. I don't know how to change it. I don't know how to be different. Like you've got to help me. And that was that starting point. And I just began journaling like every day, like same prayer over and over and over and over again. And I would just say, man, if that's you, if you're, if there's something that you like, like if you have a struggle, admit it to yourself, like, right. Like allow yourself right now as you're listening to this, like I am struggling with whatever it is, pornography, lust, jealousy, um, slander, uh, whatever it is, allow yourself to admit it to yourself. And then you go somewhere where you don't feel like anybody can hear you. No one's like, and you just pour out yourself to your father and you do it over and over and over and over and over again. And that's a starting place. And what you're going to see, if you continue in that confession, I promise you, I, I'm not saying he's going to heal you instantly, but you will see that your father is going to start shaping and changing your desires over time. And the cool thing is that this book, like if you would have told me 10 years ago, hey, you're going to write a book and it's going to be filled with all the things that are horrible about yourself. 
I would have laughed. First, I would have been like, there's nothing wrong with me. I've got it figured out. But like, I would have never, ever, even some of the things when I go back and read them, I'm like, I can't believe I put that out there. But the truth is, it's so cool because when you see God change you and you're like, you've got like the front row seat and you're like, oh my gosh, I was here and now I'm here. And then I was there and now I'm here. You see him change you. Like you can't help but share that with other people. And that's like, you know, I think when scripture talks about the power of our testimony, it's like, man, like you got to tell people what God's doing in your life, because that may be what gives them the hope to think that God can do that in their life. And, you know, I just think it's so powerful to share your story and that can be on a podcast or it can be in a school hallway. You know, it could be at a lunch with somebody that's struggling. Like it doesn't have to be on a grand platform. Um, but, but I would just say, you want to come out of hiding, just begin at the throne room of the father. Um, one of my favorite scriptures is in revelation three twenty, And it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of what God longs. Like he doesn't want to go through the fast food line with us. Like he wants to come into our house and to sit down at our table and the food could be terrible. The table could be like wobbly and broken down, but he wants a long conversation. And so I always love to end anything I'm doing, whether speaking or podcast or lunch by inviting others into a long conversation with your father that just never ends. Well, it's so true that the truth does set you free. Mm -hmm. And the invitation of what you just said, um, to be true to God and be true to yourself. Yeah. Can you tell us where we can find your book and um, any information of where our listeners can can find you, whether Instagram, Facebook, whatever you use. Absolutely. So yeah, so Instagram, I'm Jill Dasher on Instagram. That's pretty much where I do most of my stuff and my website, jilldasher.com. Um, you can purchase the book Shallow from Amazon or you can purchase through my website at jilldasher.com. I'm going to include a promo code for the listeners um, it will be in the notes. So if you're listening to this podcast, you can go to the notes and use that promo code at my website, jilldasher.com for a discount. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jill. This has been such a sweet hour, um, 30 minutes, whatever it's been, um, just to hear your wisdom and what God has shown you. And it's really been an encouragement to us. So I know it will be to our listeners. 